Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mormonish. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Landon. And on this very special episode, we are going to talk about something that has been on all of our minds for the last couple of weeks, and that is the almighty dollar, the LDS church, and the 60 minutes segment that aired just a few days ago. We would like to weigh in with our opinion, like everyone else. That's right. And you you played a big part in this or maybe a little part, uh, but I think it's uh, a little you, part. Yeah, you've been involved with this and you knew about this report several months ago uh, coming out as part of your work that you've been doing with uh, John DeLynn and R RFM and Spencer uh, Anderson on uh, the uh, Mormon stories on the SEC that you've been putting together. So you want to say a little bit about what you knew and, and tell a little bit about that backstory? What did I know and when did I know it? So right. no, it's it's very interesting because of course we know that the widow's might always follows the money. <laughs> By the way, this is not real money. This is theatrical money. <laughs> Lest anyone think I don't need a donation. <laughs> no. <laughs> Again, we don't know how to get donations, but we That's mention right. that every Your time. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. <laughs> donate button's still not working. Um, anyway, no. So um, you know, the widow's might has been following this very closely. And I was able to connect one of our wonderful book club members, accounting professor Spencer, uh, with um RFM and John DeLynn and some people in the widow's might, so that he could kind of lend his expertise to the situation. And somehow I ended up on their financial panel. <laughs> I mean, I do work kind of adjacent to finance, but uh, it was really an honor um, to be on the two two episodes so far. And we are planning a third one um, to weigh in on all this other stuff, but to kind of go through the SEC report. And, and it was just really interesting to be a fly on the wall as um, information was shared about the finances. And, and I know that the widows might um, gave 60 minutes, a lot of information that they actually used to ask some questions. So it was very interesting to see things happening. And, and I knew that this episode was going to come out. We didn't know when, and then suddenly, oh my gosh, it's coming out. So I think there's been a lot of anticipation just with everyone um, to see what exactly this would bring to light. So we thought uh, that we would just go through our own take on it. I know a lot of people are weighing in. A lot of people are are doing episodes about it, but this will be the Mormonish uh, take on the 60 Minutes episode the other night. Yeah, what did you what did you think of it as you watched it? What was your thought or what was your take on it? Well, I have to say, I mean, there was so much for me leading up to it. Like I was, ah, you know, because I knew what the widow's might was doing. I knew the information they were giving them. Um, I knew what I hoped it would be. <laughs> I was pretty sure it wasn't going to be that exactly. And, you know, it, it was fine. Um, I think we'll get into it a little bit later. I think there was just some disappointment on my part realizing, wow, this this uh, church financial situation is really just a machine that is so large that there's really no stopping it at all. That's, that's kind of my takeaway. What was yours? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of came away with the same feeling. It was like, uh, and then no one's going to do anything. It's too big to mm -hmm. stop. Uh, they've mm -hmm. got too much power and too much influence. But that got us thinking we want to take a yep money buy it you can buy and too much money <laughs> say it say it you're just money. about to buy <laughs> oh boy do they have it <laughs> so what i wanted to do uh is on on this uh episode is we decided to take a little different approach we didn't want to play the clips and just go through and 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 uh, talk about the clips uh but rather we want to incorporate a couple other things that happened uh 
in conjunction with the 60 minute story. And we really just want to say, what did we learn as a result of the 60 minute story? Um, and so uh, we'll uh, pull up our uh, slides here. And yeah, and I think we should note that um, just today, uh, John DeLynn did a wonderful, almost clip by clip review of it. So if you would like to see it, you know, going through the actual sound bites and the clips, uh, Mormon Stories did a wonderful one. And I know coming up tomorrow, um, Mormonism Live um, with RFM and Bill Real and accounting professor Spencer Anderson are also going to be doing a wonderful show on that. So there's so many different ways that you can access information about this. Yep, absolutely. And hopefully uh, we're, we're going to take a little bit different take and include some other things in here that they probably don't. Um, so obviously we all know that uh, the episode was called the church's firm. It was all about the EPA. It was really more about the EPA than the church itself. But uh, of course the church's firm is a part of the church. It's one of the auxiliaries. Um, and so uh, it, it definitely is, you know, church related. So um, what we did is we decided we were going to pick, uh, there were several different stories that came out. There were some preemptive strikes by the church that they put out and the church uh, put thing, when they want to get their message out, they go to their apologetics. And so the first thing we saw really come out for this was uh, an apologetic website uh, that that covered this, and we're going to go to that. It was Book of Mormon Central. We're going to cover some of what they said as a preemptive strike to show what the church was trying to say before it ever came out. Uh, then, then once it came out, the 60 minutes, obviously, we're going to cover the 60 minutes. Uh, but then after that, uh, they the church posted a, a large a story in the Deseret News uh, that was all about what the church didn't tell, what 60 Minutes didn't tell you, the rags to riches story of the church, uh, where they try to put a really big spin on, oh, no, 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 we need the money. This is not overly, you know, we haven't over uh, built this up. We need it for the entire world. All 8 billion people in the world rely on us for this. So that's really not a lot of money. And then uh, the church news also uh, came out and published a statement after the 60 minutes. So we're going to try to combine all of those and, and, and look at, you know, how this came from how the whole story unfolded is what we want. And I'd also like to add to that, that in addition to newspaper articles on different sites, there were individual podcasters on the more faithful side that came out with, you know, some of them just blatantly scathing, you know, the whistleblowers, a liar, things like that. So definitely these podcasters took matters into their own hands to make sure that everybody could be reassured that there's nothing to see here. This was completely off base. So yeah. there's a lot of that this week, a lot of things to kind of weed through. Uh, a, a lot of down talking of the whistleblower while up talking of how we can trust the general authorities and the prophet exactly. and the apostles. Um, yep. But uh, we're going to look at that and see if if that's really true. Of course, the main guy in the story uh, for the church was uh, Bishop Christopher Waddell. And we wanted to uh, kind of introduce him and give a little bit of background on him before we get into the story and before so that, you know, a little bit more about who he is and where he comes from. Uh, he is the first counselor in the church presiding bishopric since 2015. He's a graduate of San Diego State University. 
but he worked as the VP of investments for Merrill Lynch. So that becomes really important. That's what his job was. This is not, you know, the bishop that was called that's a plumber that's now, uh, you know, running the church investment. This guy was VP of investments for Merrill Lynch. So he knows what he's doing when it comes to investments. He knows what the, where this money's going. He knows how it's being invested. He knows what the returns are. He knows what's going on here. A lot of people have said, why'd they pick this guy? He kind of was a weaselly. Uh, and, and I don't know if you could have picked anyone who could sit there and lie to the ca camera and, and not look slimy or, or uh, uh, dishonest, uh, because that's exactly, you know, what I saw in this story was that uh, because several of the things they brought up, we've already debunked. We, we did it in the SEC. We, we had an SEC, uh, uh, two two series ruling, on SECs yeah. on the ruling, uh, and we went through all of these different items, and the church is still making the same statements they were making back then, even though we all know that what they were saying is absolutely not true. Um, and well, so, and I would say that is a highlight that they did choose him. That was one thing because talking to some other people behind the scenes, they said, "God, there were some other people that could have been chosen." that might've come across a little better on camera, better from the faithful side. Um, I was glad they chose him because he definitely looked awkward up to something and just had a, a strange presence, I thought. So that was that was a highlight. <laughs> yeah, that was. It was kind of fun to watch him struggle. So yeah, yeah. We, we added a fun little quote from uh, Bishop Waddell. Uh, this, we'd like you to compare to what the, he said on 60 Minutes, uh, but he said, Church leaders have often encouraged Latter-day Saints to prepare for adversity in life by having a basic supply of food and water and some money and savings. At the same time, we are encouraged to be wise and not go to extremes in our efforts to establish a home storage supply and a financial reserve. So he tells us right there, we don't need to go to extremes. We just have to have some money in reserves. Uh, hundred. $50 billion may not be. <laughs> Some money is very relative to whoever's talking about it. And that was actually in a conference talk, um, 2020, I think, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Just because yeah, we was, know we like references. I didn't see it on the slide, yeah, but yeah, it was from a conference talk, talk yep. in 2020. So you can all look that up. But yeah, he definitely talked about, you know, let's not, let's not go crazy. So I don't know what the definition of crazy is. If it's not 150 plus billion dollars. No matter who you ask, you won't get a straight answer from the church on what's what, when enough is enough. Um, That's right. And what I thought was really, I think everybody was extremely curious to find out who David Nelson is. I mean, we've been hearing about him. We've read quotes from him, but none of us have ever really seen him. So I'm glad that we're going to talk about who he is. And I have to say up front, that I was uh, very pleased with how he presented himself. He seemed very honest, very straightforward. He seemed, he he really made a good impression, at least on me, I felt. Yeah, that I, I hadn't seen him before either. And he, he intentionally kept it that way. I didn't know much about his background and tell the story. Um, and so he was a very fascinating, very, seemed very humble, very honest. He was far more believable to me in his statements and seemed far more genuine uh, than uh, Bishop Waddell did. Um, so just a little background on David Nelson. He's the senior port. He was a senior portfolio manager for Ensign Peak. He, in 2019, he filed a complaint with the IRS and the SEC picked it up. 
accusing the LDS of a of amassing a reserve fund intended for charity. He he just recently in 2023 he updated the complaint to cover fraudulent SEC filings and tax avoidance, foreign accounts, deceptive statements, and more. Um, so the statement's been updated since he initially put it out in 2019. He was an active member until 2019, uh, but his wife and family were out of the church, and he followed them out of the church. Um, he also worked on Wall Street, he said, during the the uh, interview, making rich people richer, but he left, in his words, uh, he left to make a difference. And he came to Ensign Peak, he'd been recruited, and he came to Ensign Peak thinking that he would make a difference in the world, that he, here he could help the less fortunate as opposed to helping the rich get richer. And so he, it kind of tells you kind of character that he had, that he was willing to quit that job to take a, what most would consider a lesser job at a nonprofit uh, or what he thought was a nonprofit um, to, to do this. And he and, is not. And I read online, a lot of people picking up his quote where he said, I thought we were going to change the world. Kind yeah, of what that you was, said, you know, that was very sad and poignant. Yeah, that was a highlight for everybody. I think and it was very sort of poignant when he said that. I believed him when I looked at him. I know that people now, of course, when you use the ad hominem attack or saying, oh, he's going to get a tremendous financial windfall if this all goes through. Um, but I, I believed him when he said, I thought we were going to change the world. And that's not I, what I did, too. And the reason I believed him is because I thought the same thing when I was donating to the church. I thought I was oh. changing the world. I thought I was making yeah. a difference. I thought I was helping others. I had no idea I was investing in a uh, in, in a huge investment fund that was <laughs> was going nowhere. Um, yep. He has not given an interview to reporters prior to uh, this 60 minute interview. So this is the first time that we got a chance to see him or hear hear his side of the story. Um, mainly, uh, if you heard him say it, he said it's it's time when they asked him uh, because he saw the result of the SEC investigation and he saw that the church took absolutely no. Uh, they 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 didn't say they were sorry. They didn't appear at all apologetic. They just continued on with their same uh way they've been going all along that uh you know we're victims we've been <laughs> persecuted persecution complex that goes persecuted. a long way for centuries yeah. doesn't it it works well <laughs> boy they've, they've got that down anyone says yep. anything against them it's we're being persecuted we've always been persecuted yep. and here we are being persecuted again so uh they're, they're going to stick with that same story so we're going to go through a list of things that we learned uh, from the 60 Minutes. And uh, the first thing I pulled out here is um, that keeping the funds secret was mission one. That's the first lesson we learned. Uh, this is actually a quote from David Nilsson. It wasn't in the in the show, but it was on one of their outtakes, that they, the other things that they produced. And uh, he said, right as he, as he was discussing it, he said, hey, keeping the funds secret was the number one mission. And he, uh, there's a couple quotes here uh, from him uh, as well that he said a little later. He said, when you build a company on so much secrecy and a need to conceal, it creates a leadership tone from the top that we can do whatever we want as long as it stays hidden. Yeah, and I feel that that quote, <laughs> although in this case it was used uh, in the financial setting, 
it's kind of pervasive through the entire organization, the church. There's a lot of secrecy at the top. There's a lot of things that the rank and file members don't know, and it just kind of operates unchecked. So I don't see too much of a difference between the religious arm of this organization and the investment arm. They seem to operate on that principle. Yeah, they, they clearly think they're above the law and that uh, the, the, as long as they can keep it hidden, they'll go to any extreme, whether it's breaking the law or not, to keep it hidden. And in fact, uh, this is, uh, uh, I'm going to go to uh, the Scripture Central. This is this is an article that was put out in, in Book, of, uh, Book of Mormon Central on their website yeah. the day before this, before the uh, episode was released. And boy, I encourage you to go read this uh, on Book of Mormon Central. Uh, th this, everyone we passed it to was just horrified uh, by by what this says. Uh, this this was written by we don't know who, but somebody you know contributed to Book of Mormon Central, and the intent was to get ahead of it, to, to get ahead of the 60 minute episode and to uh, kind of give the church a, a, a positive look, I guess, before, before it came out. Uh, right. so, I would say an inoculation, which, inoc which we've seen before, exactly. a prior inoculation. So everyone could read this. And then when the episode came out, they could say, no, I already understand all this. And I already know the true story. Everything's fine. Yep, we can trust them. I've already read the story. Yep, and that's exactly what this is. And and this was written as it. They say you may be interested in what the faithful rank and file Latter Day Saints think. So they're speaking for all the all the Latter Day Saints here, telling you what they think. Well, if this is what they think, then David Nelson hit it completely on the head uh, with with the uh, quote that he had just before, uh, where he said that hiding it was was uh you know their mission one and that they could get away with this do you can you read that or uh i know i'm i'm gonna let you read it it's a little small on little my small screen i could have printed it out early but we'll let landon yep. read it you can read it in an authoritative booming voice there you go <laughs> he said we consider the church to be the literal kingdom of god on the earth in the latter days it is led by prophets and apostles who are accountable not to shareholders or voters but to Jesus Christ. The church has a divine mandate to prepare the world for the second coming. Kingdoms, by their very nature, do things a little differently than democracies, commercial enterprises, or NGOs. Transparency is an expectation in the internet age, but kingdoms, like privately held companies, are seldom fully transparent. Centralized financial management on a global scale seems entirely appropriate for an organization that aspires to fulfill the prophecy in Daniel 2.44. Wow. And what I heard everyone say is, oh my gosh, they said it out loud. Yes, they did. <laughs> they really are trying to take over the world in the name of Jesus Christ. You don't hear this in a consolidated statement like this too often, but they literally said they are the literal kingdom of God on earth and they basically want to take over things on a global scale as they have been mandated to do through the scriptures and their divine mission. And here it is. They said it out loud. What did you think, Landon? Oh, yeah. He, he, he basically said, we don't operate like democracies. We're a kingdom. We report only to Jesus Christ. 
and therefore we're above any laws of democracies or private firms or NGOs. We don't have to follow those rules because we're the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We make our own rules. That's basically what he's saying right here. And that's exactly the attitude that David Nilsson described at Ensign Peak, that as long as we could keep it hidden was the main thing. It didn't matter what the law said. It didn't matter. But what was it all about? Why were they trying to hide it? They were trying to hide it because they would lose their tax status. So exactly. they want the tax status from the democracy, <laughs> <laughs> but they want to be a kingdom. And they aren't investing, you know, uh, they're, they're not investing uh, Kirtland Safety Society notes of their own making like they did because we saw how bad that went. They're, they're investing U.S. dollars, U.S. currency, the currency of capitalism and democracy. That's what they're building their nest egg from. Yet they're a kingdom above the law and above the rules. And uh, exactly. So they'll work with what they have in the environment that they're in. But it's very clear the attitude is they are above the law. And of course, we all um, read that quote, or was it a video or a quote where Ensign Peak was first, you know, confronted with this and someone came out and said, Well, this is for Jesus Christ, it's for the second coming. <laughs> Another situation where they said out loud something that they probably weren't supposed to say. But now we understand this attitude. And it makes me think back, I don't know if you thought of this too, Landon, when Mitt Romney was running for president and some people brought this idea out. They said, well, wait a minute. Okay, so he's gonna be you know, the highest person in the United States charged with protecting the democracy, but isn't by the fact that he's a Mormon or a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, doesn't that mean that he actually answers to a higher authority? Hasn't he made covenants? That means that he answers to a higher authority, meaning the prophet speaking for God. This kind of says that, doesn't it? That there oh, yeah. is a higher purpose to build the kingdom that supersedes anything else. That's what got Holland so upset when the BBC asked him the question, you know, didn't he make these covenants in the temple? Wouldn't he have yeah. made the, the those covenants to... to uh, take his life before, you know, disobeying the church. And Holland was completely stumped. You know, he, you yep. can tell he was angry. He was visibly angry. And, but that's true. Before you ever elect a Mormon president, you got to think about this. He has made a covenant and his priority is the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ's kingdom is over the democracy in which he'd be the president. And so Although I was excited when I was an active Mormon that there might be a, a Mormon president, I have since seen the danger in such a thing, especially when I see how much influence uh, these uh, Mormon politicians are having in our government. And we're going to see that a little later uh, on some of the results that, that happened uh, there, as well as we've got an episode coming up about separation of church and state and how the church has always manhandled the politicians uh around it and so yeah very interesting when i read this i just was like wow wow i can't believe they just said this um, kind of floored yep so okay our second thing we learned the church has not and has no intention of ever exposing its value to the government reporters or their own membership including apostles and general authorities we saw that um, 
we saw that happen throughout the uh, interview. Um, the I don't know what happened here. This, uh, but the reporter had asked <laughs> it's him. It's been redacted already. It's been redacted. <laughs> The, the reporter basically says um, it's been reported that you have one hundred and fifty billion dollars. Does that sound correct? To which uh, Waddell said, um, that's an estimate that some have made. The reporter said, are we in the ballpark? And he said, um, we have significant resources. He was absolutely not going to in any way, shape or form expose how much money the church had. And several times in the interview, the reporter, uh, when she was talking to the IRS agent, said, how are we supposed to know how much they have and, and hold them to certain percentages of charitable giving if, if we don't even know what they have? And the IRS agent said, well, we have to count on their good behavior. Ooh, and we all know we can't count on that. I was also disappointed in the episode that they kept saying millions. I know they were referring to times when they used millions of dollars, but boy, I wanted them to hammer home to people in the general public that we are talking about an ungodly amount of money. We are talking about billions, which I also feel that's a double-edged sword. I don't think people can comprehend how much money that is. I've said that before on other episodes, and I don't think they can. I don't think they can understand billions, millions. It's the same, but it's not the same. And for the IRS to say, oh, you know, we just hope that they do the right thing, or it just, it's, it's just a way to sort of try to wrap your brain around it that I don't think anybody can follow. Yeah, it it it's larger than Apple. Um, yes, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Everybody in the world has an Apple device. There's only church claims seventeen million. There's probably only more like five million active members that this hundred and fifty billion dollars is is being collected from. Um, it it's funny. Um, the 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 reporter tried to to clarify or tried to ask him. She said. Don't you agree this would be a non-issue if there were more transparency? And to which he replied, no, because then everyone would be telling us what to do with the money. Well, you mean legal things that you're supposed to do with the money? <laughs> yeah, or, or what he means is I think most of the people in our church have a conscience and would say, why aren't we yeah. spending this on people rather than investing this into huge... Uh, conglomerations. Uh, why are we, why are we doing this? Right. Uh, and that's a good point because I feel the rank and file member, we keep using that rank and file, but um, really does believe that when they pay their tithing, it definitely is going for things that in their conscience, they would want it to go to. And I've told the story before about my dad, a wonderful man who paid more than his share of tithing his entire life. And at one point on Temple Square, you know, a homeless person held out their hand to my dad. And my dad said, I give to the church. You can go get help from them. So, you know, that's not a metaphor, but you can use it metaphorically. I think a lot of members really do feel their money is going to that homeless man where, with his hand out. Not necessarily the case. Yeah. And I remember uh, when I was in the military, they used to have a charity drive once a year and they'd come and ask you to give to charity. And, you know, I was second lieutenant. I, I didn't have a lot of money, but I was already given 10% to my church and I'm going, well, my church is taking care of that for me. They're taking care and doing these things. And I really believe that's what was happening yeah. with the money. I had no idea it was it was being invested in all of these different global stocks 
around the world. In fact, um, they asked him, I didn't put this one in here, but they asked him, they said, you know, you're acting like an investment bank. And he, he said, no, no, we're not. This is the church's manage. This is the church's funds. This is their management. This is the church's bank. Okay, it's the church's bank that's being invested in stocks by a professional VP of investment management uh, at Merrill Lynch. That sure sounds like <laughs> you just it's described exactly, an exactly. <laughs> it's it's exactly the same, only different. Only different. Don't you think <laughs> exactly the same, only different? Yep. That's right. Investment banks only happen in democracies. What we're exactly. doing is a kingdom. <laughs> this is a kingdom. Yep. There's a distinction there. There really is. And also that answer that will satisfy a lot of people. That answer makes perfect sense to people. Other people, they were throwing things at the TV. Going, yes, going, what are you saying? What are you saying? <laughs> you just described an investment yeah, bank. Exactly. It, it, it's funny too that uh I I read that Deseret News after the after the 60 minutes episode, Deseret News produce that rebuttal that we talked about and right. it's funny because this is this i pulled one of the uh paragraphs out of there there's many paragraphs they talk about how the church was persecuted and almost bankrupt and it's funny because every time they were almost bankrupt it was because of one of their business arms losing money that's what was bankrupting the church so get out of the business. Get out. Don't do a business arm. Be a church. Be charitable. I don't understand how. I don't understand how churches are allowed to be a for-profit business while they're a church at the same time. And we'll we'll talk about that and why that's dangerous as well. Um, well, and there's historical precedence because since the beginning, and we've done a couple episodes on this, and we'll continue to do episodes on this. The church has been involved in business, be it banking or sugar beets or, you know, everything you can think of, uh, land speculation. There has always been the business aspect. And if you look at the articles of incorporation, the new ones, when they changed the name to the corporation of the presiding, remember how they did that exact yep. name? I can't remember the exact yep. name now. It literally says, um, if the religious arm of the church should be dissolved, I mean, doesn't that tell you of the corporation, if the religious arm of the corporation. So what everybody calls the church or the gospel, it's a religious arm of a corporation. Of a corporation, yes. It's, <laughs> that's it's crazy a to realize. It's a religion, so. not, a, not yes. the opposite yes. way. Not the other way around. Yep, that's it. This is, the, this is what the Deseret News said. They said, today the church has a stock portfolio worth tens of billions of dollars. 60 Minutes said some have estimated the church's assets total as much as $150 billion, though it didn't provide a source for that figure. The church does not publicize how much money it has, so it can keep the focus on its religious mission. Bishop W. Christopher Waddle, first counselor in the uh, presiding bishopric, told 60 Minutes. So it's interesting that they say, oh, they said it was $150 billion, but they don't. they didn't even quote a source. Well, how do you quote a source when you have to, when you haven't had to file anything to uh, that anyone could tell how much it was worth? And then here, the Desert News, look at the number they use, tens of billions. They're saying, no, it's not hundreds of billions. Yeah. It's only tens of billions. How do we believe them? Where did they get tens of billions? They aren't quoting their source. Did they get told that from somebody? Uh, but we know where the 150 billion came from. 
Um, the, the widow's might report has been putting that out for, yeah. uh, quite a while and they've put it out on the, uh, project that you're working on with John DeLynn. Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, they're amazing because like you said, they do not report. The church does not report anything. This quote is ridiculous because of course there are no sources. They won't report it. So what the widow's might does is it goes out and it grabs the reportable, the things that they must report, the things that they do report. And this group of people works really hard to crunch those numbers and put them together. And they make it very clear that this is a spectrum. It could be as high as this. It could be as low as this. It's probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, they're very, very careful with their numbers, not to go to extremes, you know, not to be extravagant in the way that they calculate things. But I mean, they're a think tank that works really hard on trying to get some transparency out there because we're not getting it from the source of the church. So I've learned a lot about the widow's might in the last couple months, and I just have incredible respect for what they're doing. It's absolutely amazing. And they're getting those from the public documents that yes. the church does have to. There are some countries yes. that require them to post those. So uh Canada, Australia, they can they know what the what what the church is bringing in in those countries. Uh how nice And don't you find it interesting that in the two countries where there is transparency, there's some dicey questionable practices going on, right? It makes you think that other places were there laws of transparency we would see the other things that they're doing that just are not above board. We, we know they, they were questioned about transferring millions of dollars um, from uh, Canada to BYU using the right. education- uh, Loophole. To a, <laughs> yeah, to a college. And uh, then they're, they're funneling all of their money through Australia to make sure that their tax holdings there are uh, are that they don't have to pay taxes on them so that they remain tax exempt in Australia. And both of those have been questioned as this doesn't appear to be uh, legal or this appears very shady. So if they're doing those shady things where they do have to be transparent, right. what are they doing in the U.S. where they don't have to be transparent? And they got exactly. caught. They got caught on the SEC thing. We know that. We don't know what they're doing, you know, on the on the investigation right now that the IRS could be conducting, but they don't tell you anything either. So, uh, but exactly. And let me point out this really funny thing. So going back to Australia, um, exactly. Nothing was coming charitable out of Australia. But now if you see articles from the church. Um, it used to say LDS charities. They'd list a whole bunch of things they'd given, and then they'd say, with the help of LDS charities, which, of course, as we know, were wealthy donors, members donating money and kind of funneling it through the church. I've seen articles lately where it says, <laughs> from LDS charities, Australia. <laughs> yep. So they definitely know they have to play along with the law there now that they have sort of been caught with their hand in the cookie jar. So it's interesting to watch how they change very quickly once those transparency laws bring things to light that are not quite right. Which shows you the reason we should have transparency laws. Exactly. And that's what I really think that's what the uh, story was about. They, everyone knows that you can't make them show you anything, but they were trying to say, why wouldn't you just be transparent so there's none of these questions come up in the first place? Exactly. And, and they're they're not following it. So it, it it just really burned me when I read this Deseret News article, though, and they they acted like, well, they didn't provide a source for how they came up with that figure. So how can you believe it? 
that's the exact point. We have no sources to go to. And the only official source I know of who has ever told us what the value of the church's wealth is, is uh, that, that one general authority that was speaking in Africa a couple years ago that said, oh, yes. we are not a wealthy church. Yes. So when we, we go to the officials to get the, you know, we're told, oh, no, we don't have any money. We're not, we're not a wealthy people. Uh, well, you are a wealthy people, one of the most wealthy in the entire world uh, with, with the stockpile of cash. And we just know that's going to get bigger and bigger. Uh, the and other I would say I would say that um, even their own apostleship doesn't know the extent. There is the story of, I believe, was it Boyd K. Packer? Yeah, Boyd K. Packer. Yeah, who tried to go over to Ensign Peak and knock on the door and say, I want to know about this fund. I want to know what's happening. He could not be told. This is a very tiny group at the top yeah, that even six, knows the extent of what's happening. Six people, the first presidency and the presiding bishopric and then the Ensign Peak uh, management. Uh, probably only the manager probably only yeah. knows the full uh, picture of that. So, And that's yeah. by design. That's by design that each part of it doesn't know what the other part is doing. So nobody can put the whole picture together. Yeah, it, it's very uh, unique. In fact, uh, you created this fun little uh, meme here. I did. I'm a meme maker. That's what I do. So um, there was one part, it was a clip before the episode came out where the interviewer said, well, why all the secrecy? And Wallen said, well, we don't call it secrecy. We call it being confidential, you know, and, which is great. And, and you're just like, okay, this says corporate needs you to find the difference between this picture and this picture. They're the same picture. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it's just another way to say it. Confidential. Yep. Yeah. And yep. they, they, they're the same picture. Yeah. What's and, and the reporter asked in that, what's the difference? And he went, um, it's a what was it like? It's a matter of opinion. I point of well, it's but, in the soundbite they showed ahead of time. He just went, uh, I mean, they cut it there yeah. in yeah. particular to make it look like that. But yeah, he had to think for a minute. It's uh, uh you know. So yeah, there's definitely I my one of my takeaways. From the interview is that they they don't really need to tell us anything really at all and and i pointed out to you to you as we were talking about this that uh when when only six people or seven people in an organization of several million know something it's not confidential it's not secret it's top secret top uh, secret only yeah. the people at the top know this secret nobody else knows it so it's not confidential they tried to downplay it to confidential it's top secret and Only you know the difference because you were in the military and there's different levels of you know oh, and you're right top secret different. is need to know a very few yeah yeah it's and you have to have, be cleared and everything else to have that information and that's the same thing here only six people get to see it that's that's extremely high level of security there of secrecy not not just confidentiality <laughs> Okay, uh, number three thing that we learned was that the church will continue to tell lies to deflect from leaders, even when those lies have been proven false. Um, this is one uh, that we uh, looked at and wow, we saw, and I, I'll go to this, um, we saw several lies that came out of there. Um, the first one was the reporter asked him, uh, 
and or the, the reporter stated this. She didn't ask him, but she said Christopher Waddell told us it was the church's lawyers who advised them to create the shell companies. Now we have been through this. Uh, we've had <laughs> it on our over. podcast. <laughs> uh, all the other podcasters we've seen, they've been they were covering the same thing. That if if in fact they claim that they got bad legal advice, they were they were under a duty to tell the SEC, well, we got bad legal advice. This is what we were advised to do. And then that would have it's been taken defense. under consideration a as a defense. Right. But the SEC would have had to investigate that and say, okay, what legal advice did they give you? You'd have to give your attorney-client privilege up and say, well, this is what we were told and why. The church never did that. The church never claimed that it was their legal department that uh, that that gave them this advice. And uh, so we know that that's a lie. And the SEC actually, the, the, the response from the SEC was co-written by the church and the SEC. It's like nine pages long where both the church's lawyers and the SEC lawyers got together to write up, here's what happened. And the church cannot deny what they put in that because they were agreeing to it. And so that was part of the agreement. You cannot deny that you did this because you, you know, you're doing this. And the fact that this everyone wants to say, well, it was just a little fine, $5 million. They earned that in minutes. That fine was 50 times greater than any fine anyone else had ever received for that infraction of that form. And that's because they found it so egregious what they did that they fined them 50 times what anyone else had ever been fined for that. Um, so it went on for decades. It wasn't it just went, a one-time mistake. There's this, there's this trend I'm seeing where they're saying mistake. A mistake means maybe a one-time little thing. No, this is a pervasive lifestyle, I guess you might call it. And if you're not exactly sure what we're talking about, once the SEC ruling came out that, you know, they had made mistakes, I'm going to say mistakes. No, there was a problem with their filings. Uh, then they had to put out a whole document explaining the ruling. And this is part of that, where the church and the SEC had to come together and say, okay, we agree to this. Yes, we did something wrong. Yes, this and this. But I have to say that um, the idea that you got bad legal advice, we did do an episode of Mormonish called What Did TBMs Think About the SEC Ruling? And that was one of the number ones they said. I'm sure they were just acting on bad legal advice. That was almost the top one, wouldn't you say, Landon, where people yeah, thought that. And, and there's no way that happens. A lawyer cannot make their client do anything. It's the other way around. The client says, help me figure out how to do this. The lawyer might suggest something. Also, we brought up in that episode, it's kind of an interesting one if anyone wants to look it up. Um, they We also brought up that those men at the top, their professional careers, a lot of them have to do with <laughs> university level investing and money and, you know, they're not, they're going to recognize legal advice for what it is. So this in no way is real yet. They brought it up here in the 60 minutes episode. So that was strange. Well, not only there, but in that preemptive strike from Book of Mormon Central, yeah. the apologist, I've got yeah. it it's right here on the slide as well. The management of church finances, they had a paragraph on that. And it's amazing how they want to have their cake and eat it too. Because, you know, in the, in the thing, he said, oh, we, we had bad legal advice. Well, let's let's read what uh, what Book of Mormon Central said. They said the church is extraordinarily well managed. Presiding Bishop uh, Harald Cossey, I don't know how you say his name is French, got his MBA from ESSEC, one of the most prestigious business schools in France. 
He managed large food distribution companies in Europe prior to his call as a general authority. First Counselor W. Christopher Waddell graduated from San Diego State University and worked as a VP of investment for Merrill Lynch prior to his call into church service. Second Counselor L. Todd Budge was chairman of Tokyo Star Bank when he was called to join the presiding bishopric, which manages the church's temporal affairs. Impressive credentials such as these are typical of senior church leaders. President Russell M. Nelson was a world-renowned heart surgeon. How many times? Oh, please don't say it again. Please don't say it again. (laughs) First Counselor Dallin H. Oaks was a Justice of the Utah Supreme Court. Second Counselor Henry B. Iron received a Doctor of Business Administration degree from Harvard and served on the faculty of the Stanford Graduate School of Business. The amount of significant real-world experience among the general authorities is truly impressive. If this doesn't say we're guilty, what does? They just said <laughs> we have presidents of banks, industries, investment houses, investment bankers, justices yep. of the court, the people who taught the business schools, the people who taught people yeah, how to do this. These are the people that would fall for bad legal and advice. There's no way any of these people advice. could understand what the lawyers were talking about when it came to money. They were total victims of bad legal they advice. But you're right. They advice. use it either way. We we got bad advice, but you're in good hands because look how financially savvy these look guys are. Look how savvy are. we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's a very interesting workaround, which is why that Book of Mormon Central article, we were just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I took pictures of it because I thought someone's probably going to take this down. They're, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. It was really ridiculous when you read through it. But yeah, <laughs> rest assured you're in good hands. These men know what they're doing. But they However, took advice for 20 years uh, and had 20 no, years and, and intentionally hid money from everybody, knowing they created shell companies or what they agreed to call clone yes. companies, clone Bank, companies, clone which companies is not a real word. Companies. Yeah, not a but real when word. When you say shell company, that makes everyone think of what it is. Oh, that sounds shady. Something fake. When you say clone companies, which is not a real word. No one in finance has ever used that word that was created and fabricated. Clone company, you're like, oh, okay, that just sounds like just another company or something. No. (laughs) Again, a word to deflect. I love that. The clone company. And to deceive. That that was it's a word to deceive you. To not think it is what it is, a shell company. So very I think we need to take a break and take a take a drink. This is too much. That's right. (laughs) So I pulled out another um another couple articles here uh to just show the complete dishonesty here. Book of Mormon Central, senior church leaders deserve our trust. The amount of corruption at church headquarters is practically nil. Financial scandals like those we see routinely in politics, business, nonprofits, or independent megachurches are few and far between. The church's internal auditors are very good at what they do. Well, we know that the church's internal auditors audited the account and twice told the uh, told the senior leadership that they were walking on thin ice, that this didn't seem appropriate and that they thought that this needed to be corrected. And the senior leaders, not only did they take bad advice from their lawyers, they refused to listen to their auditors. And then the church auditors never reported that in conference to the membership that, hey, we found some things that aren't quite on the up and up that we've reported and, you know, they're being looked into or whatever. They never reported that. So we can't trust the the auditors. The auditors Mm -hmm. are going to say everything is fine, even when they know everything isn't fine, even when they find problems that aren't in line with church practices. 
because that's what they reported at conference. It's all in line with church policies and practices policies and, and, practices. and accounting procedures. And the SEC is going, no, it was not. It was not. And it was intentional. And you intentionally did this. Um, and so we for were decades. for decades. <laughs> Sorry, so I just have to keep saying by that. For decades. Decades. So <sighs> biannual conference for 20 years, that means for 40, for 40 times, they got up and told us that everything was okay. Uh, and at least since, at least for the last, what, 10, 12 of those, the church auditing did know about it. And, right. and did know that they were doing something wrong. Of course, they only created the shell companies in the latter part Clone of it. Clone companies, Landon. Clone, Clone com companies. That's they are right. not shell companies. And and this is probably the one that made me the most angry. This was the church news. They put it out through the church newsroom uh, the day after 60 Minutes uh, uh, aired. This is from the church's statement. They this made a statement. This the church's statement in the church mm -hmm. news. Yep. They said, it's unfortunate 60 Minutes sought to elevate a story based on unfounded allegations by a former employee who has a different view on how the church should manage its resources. Unfounded allegations. The church was fined $5 million, 50 times what anyone else had because they were guilty. They sat down with the SEC, drafted the response that yes we did do this and and uh now they want to say they're unfounded after they were fined five million dollars he said this is what they were doing the sec investigated it and the sec found out that's exactly what they were doing so to say these were unfounded allegations is just mind-boggling to me <laughs> well and a different view on how the church should manage its resources yeah, David Nilsson's like, I think you should do it legally and follow the law. <laughs> and the exactly. church is like, we have a different view on that. <laughs> so. And it's like he said, I'm not an expert on charities, but I do know that char that nonprofits don't bail out for-profit businesses. Exactly. Uh, and they asked that question. Did you take money from your nonprofit to bail out your for-profit business? And his answer was, we had sufficient resources to handle that. Well, what kind of answer is that? Yeah. <laughs> I Which mean, we know what he was saying because that is exactly what they did, but no one else is going to understand. Yep. Yep. They use the weasel words again uh, to put that. So that, that was really frustrating, which leads to some of the other items that really became frustrating in the report. Number four is I'm so frustrated. My ear pod fell out. Right so did you see pod. that? It's like, boom, That's my, my head, I'm smoking <laughs> out of my ears. I wish that the people who watch this were feeling the same way, uh, you know, who are members that would say, wow, they, maybe I'm not being told the, the full truth because it, it's easy to go and investigate this if you if you have questions. Go read the reports. Uh, that's exactly. But I think they don't do that. I think they like the nice answers. And I, I understand so that. It, it sounds like it's all solved. It sounds like there's nothing to see here. It's a nothing burger. People have said that. If you don't go to original sources and find out what's really going on, you're you're just going to think everything's okay. Yep, absolutely. And 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 this fourth statement is really the one that just broke my heart. Um, yeah, I agree. To investigate the church and um, yeah, 
<laughs> like I said, I'm a meme maker. Meme maker. Um, so <laughs> this is the meme maker. So if you're not familiar, this is from the Holy Grail. And Sir Robin is one of the knights. And his minstrels follow him around and sing songs like he's running away. He's chickening out. He's afraid to do, you know, just so he's a coward. And this is an actual quote. The interviewer talked to someone from the IRS in the 60 Minutes episode. And she said, how likely... Do you think it is that the IRS would ever investigate this? And the IRS agent said, Slim, the political risk is so great that it comes with real danger. And I agree, Landon. When we heard that, it was just so disheartening because it made you realize that money truly is power and the church truly is more powerful than the government and the IRS. No one is going to look into this ever. And we saw the same thing on the Australian one. Uh, the, the guy that's the, uh, what is a prime minister or premier or whatever it is of mm -hmm. Australia, prior to him being elected, he was very yes. uh, against uh, churches and having these, these perks. And then he becomes the prime minister. And all of a sudden he finds out about this. He says, well, we'll have to investigate it. Now all it of a dials sudden, it way back, it way back. Is, we'll make a little donation to your party and problem goes away. And, and this is what we're seeing in the politics. Um, and, and this is the same quote that, yeah, we, quote. that we had on the, the thing. And that, that's what was really disheartening to me because at that moment I realized that the church is not afraid of the state. The state is afraid of the church. Yeah. And think about the times when the state was afraid of the church. That's where we got Spanish inquisitions. That's when we get uh, this complete control of people's lives by the church, uh, where even kingdoms were afraid of the churches. And that's what we're seeing with our own government. Our own government's afraid to do this. And and I, I did see on John DeLynn's show today, um, they they pointed out that um, it's may it's not that they they probably will investigate they just won't find anything because right there are so many politicians in uh, the Congress and in the Senate that are LDS you, you've got a way way more than the proportion of the uh, of, of the electorate, uh, they're, they're overrepresented because they vote as blocks. Uh, Latter-day Saints generally vote as blocks. So historically, that, with historicity, <laughs> that's right. Historicity. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they vote as blocks and they, they get the, they put the people in the power and that now they have political power and they have money. Uh, additionally, the other churches are all going to side with them because they don't want the, the other churches are going, Hey, that's, we, we don't want to be investigated either because we love having our tax free status too. So let them, and Hey, now that we know how they're doing it, maybe we'll follow suit. Um, exactly. And you brought up a good point about even corporations have a vested interest in, you know, not having this completely uh, exposed, same kind of thing. Yeah. That some of the people we talked to said exactly that, that, uh, that, corporations actually are saying we don't want this investigated because where is that 150 billion dollars it's in the stock market those corporations, corporations are using it they're yeah. putting it to work to make them more money so they don't want the irs to come and take the 
to to find the church and have them have to pull 20, 30 billion dollars out of their investment portfolio to pay for a fine because where's that come from? It's going to come right out of their they're going to have to cash in their stocks, which is going to make their stock value go down. And so the corporations are saying, no, we don't want it. So that's what he means by that. Um, one thing that on the quote here, though, that we didn't add in the meme uh, is that second sentence that the IRS agent said. He said this at the same. So he answered slim. The political risk is so great that it comes with real danger. This at the same time, there's a real risk to the rule of law if the IRS doesn't come in and enforce the rules. And that's the real danger. Because once everyone else sees you can be a church and you can do this, everyone's going to start saying, how do I get in on that model? Uh, in fact, I myself am going, how do I set myself up as a church? I want Landon really oh, wants to start a church. He oh, talks about it all the time. I, I went into the, the to the uh, 501c3 <laughs> requirements for a church. You don't even have to file anything. You can just claim you're a church and you don't have to, you don't even have to file for 501c3 it's it is absolutely open you don't have to turn in any records you don't have to show anything you are completely protected as a church and i don't believe that's what the constitution meant the constitution said that that the that the state can't set up a state church it doesn't say it can't regulate the finances as it does with every other organization under its control but we've given complete free reign to churches and it's it's going to be the destruction of our economy. And we're not talking kingmen and all that crap in the Book of Mormon secret societies. This is the secret society right here that's right. going to take it down. It's the church with these secret hidden funds that is going to become so powerful it can't be stopped uh, with doing yeah, what Don't you wants. think that really is the only way that eventually... Um, just the, the point of view on church and state needs to change a little bit on that. I think oh, maybe that's really the only way. Uh, I pointed out in an article, you know, somebody said, hey, how the church spends their money is their business. You have no say in it. Well, that's that's absolutely not true. Because of the fact that you are tax exempt, that means that, you know, maybe 30% of that that should have been taxed came out of the public sector and into the private sector. That was dollars Beautiful. that could have been used for schools, for services, for fire departments, yeah. for other things that now have to be paid by me and you. And we're pay we have to pay more to cover those while this gigantic organization isn't paying anything to cover they've got they've got thousands of built church buildings that could burn down. I only have one house, but I pay more to the fire department than the church does. Uh, exactly. And that's kind of in Canada. You really saw that up close and personal. And that's what um, the Canadian whistleblower, our friend Nigel Kennett, uh, he pointed that out. You know, the taxes that were coming out of your pocket that could have been subsidized if people were paying taxes on, you know, instead of giving to what was not a charity. So you see this. If you really start to think it through, you realize that it impacts everyone, not yeah, just I, somebody that belongs to that organization. I gave the example uh, that if 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 my if I enjoy bowling, and that's what I do on my Sundays. And you do. For my community. Well, I'm, I'm not good at it. I don't know if I But you enjoy still it. enjoy it. I've seen you bowl. <laughs> but if I, if I enjoy bowling, I go join a league and do that on Sunday. When I go and pay to do that bowling, that bowling alley has to pay taxes on what I enjoy doing. Now, if you find your community at a church and you go and give your money to the church, 
your church doesn't pay any taxes on it. So here, my my enjoyment gets taxed, but yours doesn't. Why is that fair? And then you take that one step further. Now, let's say that the lot next to the bowling alley comes up for sale and the bowling alley says, we want to expand uh, and have, you know, 40 lanes now so that more people can bowl on Sunday. And so they go and they want to buy the lot. But a church says, oh, we want that lot too. Well, that bowling alley has been paying taxes, 20, 30% taxes. So they, while the church is getting all of their money tax-free they they're building it so they have 30 percent more to spend than the bowling alley does now the church comes and buys that land takes it from the bowling alley and now that land is non-taxable because they're a church and so now somebody has to pay the taxes for the fire department and everyone else so they raise the taxes on the bowlers and the bowling alley to pay the cost of the church because they didn't uh, and had the bowling alley got that land, they would have had to pay taxes on it. So exactly. it would have been less. And now tax. the bowling alley can never expand <laughs> because it's paying alley. the taxes for what the church could. This is what happened. Remember Bill Gates versus the church over that huge parcel yeah, of land? Yeah, and I think it was him. Oregon. They outbid him because exactly what you described. And that's when I think a lot of people started to realize, oh, my God. I mean, literally, they won a bidding war against Bill Gates. That shows you right there. And I, I, I've seen some statements. Uh, several real estate agents have said uh, we're real estate agents and churches do buy land. They buy it. They don't have to pay property taxes. They wait for it to go up in value and then they sell it. And that's how they make money. So they're they're taking property off the market, which then makes the price of the properties go up because there's not as many of them. And you and I and our kids can't afford to buy a, a house uh, because the property values are so high because you've got the church in Utah that owns so much of the land. It jacks up. I would say you're not wrong that you need to start a church. We should start a Mormonist church. I'd like to invite you all to services, Mormonish. <laughs> That's right. I I, I would uh, absolutely agree with that. It so, would be boating or something like that. Anyone who not wants to join, we'll have fun. Yeah, <laughs> we'll call it a boring stuff. That's right. <laughs> uh, okay, you have to laugh, or you're just like I said. The word I used, I was disheartened. Yes. By the whole thing, and the more we're going through this, the more disheartened I feel. <laughs> I just, it, it's it's true. Uh, yeah, there wasn't a good side. Yeah, they got exposed, no. but then you realize. It doesn't matter. What can do? Yeah, and they knew it. You saw it in yeah. that guy's face. Waddell sat Boy, there did just smugly, like, yes. "We don't have to do that. Yeah. We're a church. We don't have to give in. Yeah. We don't have to give anything to charity. We're a church." Yeah, and there's there's a distinction. <laughs> a church is not a charity. It's That's a religion. Correct. There is a difference. You do not have to give to charity you at do all. Not have to. That's correct. Now, whether yeah. it's a moral question of whether you should, that's a whole different question. Uh, but you do not I don't have. I think to. I've ever read anything in the scriptures about helping others. No, I mean, maybe no. I'm light on my reading, but I don't remember anything about helping others in the scriptures. It's clearly a point that we don't study. <laughs> clearly, uh, no. <laughs> And and uh, yeah, I don't believe in the temple that you make any covenant to help uh, others, the no. less fortunate. No, it's, it's been such a long time. We can't remember it. No. Yeah, and no. of course, we're being facetious because I believe a lot of good people believe that their money is going toward exactly that, helping others. I do, too. I do, too. And I believe that they believe these temples they're building where they're going and doing you yes. know, baptisms for people who no longer exist, that they're helping those people. 
they uh, believe but, that's charity. I know they do. And but meanwhile, and, you're stepping over people and pushing them out of, uh, you know, downtown to, to make it so that you can go to the temple and do this work for those people. So, um, yeah, very difficult to see. Okay, number five, if a church makes an investment, it can give money to a for-profit and does not need to share any of the information on the deal. Um, this is where it kind of dawned on me, you know, the church, the church uh, bailed out Beneficial Life. They bailed out the mall and she asked him about it. And, and he said, you know, oh, we were in a position to, to, to help out there. Well, I realized all they have to say is we gave them a loan. We didn't bail them out. Exactly. We gave them a loan. They have to pay it back. Now, then they said, she asked for, you know, do you have any of the details on this? And they wouldn't provide that. And they don't have to provide that. So what they could have easily done is said, here's a 0% loan. And then they said, yeah, they've paid most of it back. They didn't say how much they didn't. So how do we know it's a loan versus a bailout? But all the church has to do is write a 0% loan and give it to them. And they're basically saying, no, that was a loan. That's not a bailout. And they can sit and not take getting money back because they can afford to do that. And they're bailing out a, a for-profit with non with not-for-profit funds. Uh, well, the, and we know there's a precedence for that because as I understand it, apostles, maybe not general authorities, but apostles have access to zero interest loans. Didn't yes. we read that, Landon? Yeah. So can you imagine a zero interest loan? Yeah, you want to buy a house and you get a zero yeah. percent interest loan. You can pay it off in 10 years as opposed to 30 years. Uh, and yeah. think how much and I guarantee some of the members in, if anyone remembers 2008 and nine, where many members were losing their homes um, in my area that was happening, our stake even sent out a letter that said, we will not be paying mortgages. Wouldn't it be nice if some of those people couldn't have got a, a no interest loan to see through those couple of years where it was so difficult, but that exactly. is not happening. Or, or even a low interest loan. Yeah, uh, even a low interest loan. And this is exactly the time period where they did bail out the mall and the insurance business when there was you know the bail, horrible bail the crisis of 2008 and 9. Yep. Or, or provide anything to help the members. Yep. Which if I recall, they said that, you know, that this fund is to not distract from the mission of the church, which perfect the saints, which would yes. mean helping the saints would be one of their missions. So yep. low interest loans for housing would be something that would follow that. Uh, we all saw other churches, or we've seen recently churches that are paying hospital bills for people oh my gosh. And, and buying, paying off mortgage. Buying medical debt. Oh my gosh. And and here we see the opposite. They, they I, I don't see helping out insurance companies and building malls as part of the church's mission, yet they're saying that that's what they're using this for. And that's absolutely not true. That's not what they're using it for. And they said, oh, well, the, the bailout uh, was an investment. We, we invested in that. So we, we took a bigger portion of the ownership of it. And therefore, it's an investment that we expect to get something back on. Nobody invests in something that's a that's billion dollars in, in losses. In the whole, um, right. They, they did it to, to bail it out. That's what it was. And I've even heard, and I, I don't know this for sure, but I've heard that uh, the mall may be registered as a 401c3, as a charitable. Uh, oh, wouldn't that be interesting? Now. Yeah. There's so, nothing more charitable than H&M. I'd like it. to know that, you know, <laughs> I, I can't say that for sure. If anyone Yeah, somebody tell us if anybody knows. So, well, and I think the idea, of course, is as that 
manager at, at Ensign Peak said, this is for the second coming. It's not for us and our losing our houses or any of those kinds of things. It's for the second coming. And because we are in the latter days, right? That's the idea. It's getting closer. Well, somebody pointed out in some kind of thread I was in, Cromwell was saying we're in the latter days, in the 1600s <laughs> or yes. even earlier, um, early days of the church. We are in the latter days. Uh, people's patriarchal blessings that I was aware of in the 70s, you will see Christ return <laughs> and they're long dead, right? Yes. Yeah. My prediction is saints in 3047 will be saying, the end is near, Christ is coming. So this mentality that none of us matter right now, we just have to muddle through without help. We will baptize people that are, don't exist anymore. We will keep the money for this event that's on the horizon and will always be on the horizon. It's a mindset. I don't think that there's, they don't see anything wrong with that. And I don't know how to change that. Yeah. I, and, and that was, yeah, that was one of the things that was uh, heart wrenching too. Okay, number six, uh, the thing I learned, our churches are the perfect money laundering scheme. <laughs> you know, I, I came up, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm a criminal mastermind. mastermind? I don't know. I you don't shouldn't know, reveal but... all this stuff, Landon. You're telling everybody what you're about to do. <laughs> as I listen <laughs> to what- You may be called to testify. As I listened to what he explained, I was like, okay, so what takes, what, what stops a drug cartel from- registering as a church in the United States, making donations, taking their drug money and making it a donation to the church. The church doesn't have to report where it came from. They don't have to report how much they got. They don't have to report where, how much they're investing. The church takes it. They put it into an investment. They invest it, let it grow. And then what they do is they've taken, they now funnel that money to a charity in Colombia, where the cartel's headquarters are, and they say, oh, we're giving it to a charity, in which case they'd be giving more to charity than the church is giving to charity. Uh, and then they could set up a front, a, a front that's just a charity group. And you've just laundered all your drug money through a church. This and sounds like an episode of Ozarks. It does sound like Ozarks. That's where <laughs> I got. But you're not that. wrong. That's the whole point. That's what's right. Why do a casino when you can do it through a church? <laughs> when you can do it through a church. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I couldn't figure out, and and maybe some legal minds out there can. But I'm sitting there going, yeah. "Wow, this sure sounds like money laundering. You're taking money, you're funneling it into pro for profits. You're buying property. Right. You're holding it at, at non taxable, and then you're turning it into into." Uh, profitable uh when you sell it 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 just it it just the whole thing stinks uh, i but I, I guarantee if you were to try that as a little person you would probably end up in jail I would probably end up in jail <laughs> yes they would they would so they would please don't because who would co-host mormonish with me what would i do we'd have to you'd have to zoom from jail it would probably be jail, really yeah. hard to hear with all the noise in the cafeteria so please don't go to jail we need john mormonish that, that's exactly what the IRS agent meant when he said it. it's the rule of law. You can't yeah. say the little guy can't do it, but the big guy can. But that's exactly what they what they're yeah. what they're doing above the law. That's the bottom line above the law. And number seven, uh, unless the IRS or other government agency with subpoena power investigates, we will never know the extent of the financial uh, malfeasance. Uh, it it yeah. just. Uh, it, it, it was just 
came clear to me as I was watching it that they're not going to answer any questions. They don't have to answer any questions. The only way that you're going to be able to do that is if you subpoena them, you go after the documents, and you and we know that they've got a big church vault that they could hide any of those documents in anytime they want to. They got plenty of places they could hide those documents. But unless someone goes and gets the documents and people are on the stand and under oath, which I think most people would still uh, follow what the church leaders told them to say, rather well, than- Well, look at the clone companies. You've got 13 of those set up using the church's word, and you have people that are signing documents saying them. they're running them when they're not. Only two people said, I'm not doing this, and backed out. They were replaced by two more. So you know that people will definitely, for the good of the kingdom, they will do what they have to do. Well, and we can look at Mountain Meadows, uh, the trial of John exactly. D. Lee, where- Do your duty, Mormon. That's the, the phrase. Told, yep. the, told the jurors how to vote um, to acquit John D. Lee. And then the second time they wanted him convicted to get Brigham Young off the hot seat. So they told him to go ahead and convict him. We saw it with the Vallow case where they said, don't yeah. talk to him, you know. People will follow what the church leaders tell them over what their governmental leaders tell them. And that's the problem. But I, I, I would hope there'd be a few people who would have the integrity to say, wait, this isn't what I'm about. This is what happened. Like David Nilsson. Like David Nilsson. Like David Nilsson, who's being absolutely vilified and shunned. And we want to say to him that, nope, you are a hero. He is. Yeah, he really is. He stepped forward. And, and this was a point, uh, and I, give credit to uh john delin show as i was watching it today um they they brought up is they said uh one of the last things they said is you know the church has given since the 2019 since david nilson came out and and brought this to the attention of the government the giving of the church has gone up to a billion dollars now yeah. you can we know they're counting you know, people cleaning the church is not real money. <laughs> but the the guy said at the end, uh, Waddell said, oh, you're going to see that double and then mm -hmm. double again. So if anything, if this gets the church spending that money on charitable contributions, which I, I don't know that that's what will happen, because I see what the church does is they'll just build more, more, temples they'll renovate more temples. more temples and call that well church. look at the new prefab temples They're that they the just announced the other day and i was aware of those a couple of years ago a friend of mine was trying to get some uh business done from a construction company here in utah and the company said oh we can't take on any more business we're starting to build prefab components for temples and this was like seven or eight years ago maybe even longer than that but now these are happening so they can literally just well, dot the land. Isn't that dot what the, the phrase? They could just example. plop them yep. down. That's exactly right. So, but no, I, I guess, I guess when we talk about it, that is the part that is not disheartening is that because they're now under scrutiny, um, he alluded to the fact that the giving would double and double and double. And if that happens, that's incredible. But again, I'd like to point out if that happens, it's not changed from the inside where they decided, I think we should give more. Shouldn't we? Why? Yes, let's do it. No, this is the outside. <laughs> this is people you know, scrutinizing it and looking at it and speaking and using their voice. No matter what the issue, the change always comes from the outside, although they would never admit that. But this is a case of that. So that could be the one positive, that because they're being looked at, a spotlight is shown, giving is going to have to increase.
And that's why we do this. And that, you know what? Boom. Let me do a boom, mic. a money drop, not a mic drop, a money drop. That's it. No, I think that's a good note to end on. Unless you have any more thoughts. I think we just, you know, we wanted to process it. This was probably more for us than for you guys. Right. Cause we've been thinking about this and talking about it and, you know, just so many mixed emotions about it. Um, we would um, encourage everybody, if you have not watched it, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's just a brief, um, 13 minute, I think, episode, yeah, little segment at the very top of the hour on the 60 minutes episode. So we'll put a link. It's it's very quick. And then we'd love to hear what you think. Please comment. We'd love to hear your feedback. Correct us on anything we got wrong. Sometimes we get talking and we're like, oh, I think I heard this or what about this? And so that's just in conversation. Please, you know, talk to us, tell us what you, what you think, what you know, what your opinion of this is. I mean, I think this issue is not going away. I know we're doing another episode of the SEC report um, on Mormon stories with myself and Professor Spencer and John DeLynn and RFM. So you'll want to look for that. Those always go like three or four, feels like five hours, right? Where <laughs> you're sitting here doing it, but, we do but you know, we're, we're starting to, exactly. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> we're starting to think about it and, and look into it. And there's a lot of really smart people that aren't going to let this go and are just going to keep digging in. So any other final thoughts landed and we'll let everybody go. <laughs> no, I, I think I've said everything. It's, it, it was disheartening to see it, but I think yeah. if we look at it from the positive side, I think that, I think that the members are going to start saying, this is embarrassing. We need to do mm -hmm. something with this money. And that's going to flow upwards too. I think the pressure from the outside will, will get the people on the inside doing the right thing. Yep. I think that's the bottom line. Uh, money joke, bottom line, right? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you everybody for Mormonish. Um, don't forget to like and to subscribe. And if you'd like to be made aware of episodes as they come out, you can hit the notification bell. And we will see everybody next time on Mormonish. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.